Hey guys, I am doing one of my other social observation videos today. Today's social observation will be on doctors, psychologists, basically just medical professionals. I apologize for the noise pollution. That's just kind of a result of filming these videos outside. I'm gonna try to edit around them as much as I can, but hopefully in general, it doesn't bother you guys too much which is why I have this microphone. So the main thing you'll be hearing hopefully is just my voice. But just to preface things, these types of videos, especially where I'm talking about my social observations, is just my opinion, my experiences. I am aware that my experience is only something that spans as far as the things that I've been through. And what I go through is not the same as what other people go through, right? And so if you find yourself not relating to me in any sort of capacity and not agreeing with me, that's completely fine. I'm valid, you're valid, it's okay. But what I don't like and what I won't accept on my channel is when someone is trying to force their experience and opinions onto you as if it was a fact and as if they're trying to correct you. That is not something I believe in. I believe that everyone has a safe space to be themselves, whatever that means, and we're all allowed to be different. And I'm going to be strict on it because I care about my channel and I care about this community. So if anyone on here is not respectful of me and other people, I will delete your comment. You know, that isn't to say you're not allowed to disagree with me. Yes, by all means, talk about your experience and how it's different and how it's shaped you but just be careful that you're not forcing it onto other people and taking other people's experiences and that safe space away from them that is just a disclaimer i want to make because i am noticing that this form of video of mine that i'm starting on my channel is causing other people to be a little bit more forceful of themselves in a way that I don't like and in a way that I don't want to foster within my channel, especially on the last one I made about male friendships. I had a lot of defensive men come on there leaving comments that was just not helpful and was forceful and wasn't allowing other people to have their own safe space to have their opinion and their experience. And so just want to make sure that we're all respecting each other here. But anyways, to start off today's video, I want to first list off some very important statistics when it comes to autism and the medical world. Because before I get into my social observations of medical professionals, I want to really reflect with you guys on how important this topic is and how it affects people like us through these actual tangible numbers and statistics. I just want to somewhat get you guys mentally prepared that this topic in general could be somewhat emotionally triggering because it does affect us all very deeply. Like our health, our mental health is very serious. I personally understand how serious it is. Trust me, you guys. I've had so many intense meltdowns at hospitals. I've had to fight so hard in the medical world to get assessed, to get diagnosed, to get treated for my own issues. 
So I understand how serious this topic is. This is also another reason why I want you guys to be very careful about just being gentle with each other and with yourselves when we are in the comments talking about things and sharing our experiences. With medical research being done on autism, more than 40% of funding went to genetic and biological research. So what this means is more than 40% of funding went to trying to figure out why people are autistic and how to prevent autism. Let that sink in. 20% of funding went to treatment for autism. So trying to figure out how to treat autistic people to not make them autistic anymore. Let that sink in. And only 7% of funding went to services to help autistic people. So only 7% of funding went to finding what services can help autistic individuals. Only 7%. I also want to remind you guys that autism is a lifelong disability disorder that cannot be cured. Um, it's just something you live with. It's your neurological making of your brain, right? There's no medicine you could take. I mean, yes, you could take medicine for other disorders you have, like anxiety, which is other disorders that you have as a result of being an autistic person but you can't take medicine to be less autistic and you can't really do much to be less autistic. You could do something to cover up your autism, but that doesn't make it go away. That just means you're masking it. And that's for the longest time, the only thing we had access to is, you know, behavioral therapy or interventions that basically tries to teach people like us to not be autistic which isn't really teaching us anything other than how to function in a different way in settings that is detrimental to us, which you will start to see in how that begins to affect us mental health-wise and health-wise with the rest of the statistics that I'm going to list off. One in 50 people are autistic, which is a pretty high amount, and that is an old number as well, keep in mind. So as more and more people are getting diagnosed, like me, that number is going to start to go up more. 60% of autistic adults are under or unemployed. 60% of autistic adults are underemployed or unemployed. That is a high number, more than half of us. 87% of us have mental illness. When I say that out loud, it makes me want to cry. Like, honestly, 87% of us have mental illness. I just want to take a moment to just, like, let that really settle in. Autistic adults are nine times more likely than the general population to die by suicide. Nine times more likely than the general population. 
An average life expectancy of an autistic person is 54 years old. 23% of girls with anorexia were subsequently discovered to have autism. 40% of autistic individuals had coexisting anxiety disorders. I was listening to a TED Talks earlier this week where an autistic doctor said something that significantly impacted me and I just want to share that with you guys and she said I'm not a disabled person I am an autistic person that is disabled by my environment so what she means by this is autism is not necessarily a disability it's just who you are and how you think and process but because our world is built in such a specific way for specific types of people, that system is disabling to people like us. And so it's important to understand and shift that perspective there that you are not a disabled person, but because our society is the way it is, that is what disables us, right? I want us to just generally abstract that concept and think are those traits still a disability if our world made an effort to include that disability more and that person can actually function in a healthy way whether that's someone who is handicapped and can't walk whether that's someone who can't speak or hear whether that's a blind person right these disabilities, would it still be seen as a disability if they could still hold down a job, if they could still get from one place to another, if they could still have flourishing friendships, relationships, and function in a world that could cater to those needs? Just a little food for thought. All right, so now I'm gonna get into what I wrote for today's video and maybe talk about some of my experiences and observations. The world of medicine and psychology has always been endlessly baffling as it was painful to navigate. The irony of that statement alone saddens me. I oftentimes struggle to express myself in a way for others to understand, something that I come across often when navigating the medical world. But today I will try to surmise my experiences and observations in one little video. I've always had difficulty being taken seriously, and literally, by doctors. What I've come to realize is that they are not interested in learning about you and how to best help you. They're more so interested in listening for a few key words you say only to tell you about yourself, or to repeat a textbook definition they have memorized from years of medical school. They're either wanting to convince you of something you don't have or to convince you why you don't have something you do have. Either way, they don't like when you tell them your symptoms and what you think is wrong and what you think should be done. Their ego wants to arrive at that conclusion themselves. You can see where this becomes a problem for us, right? On one hand, we have to try to get a doctor to help us by not sharing or suggesting too much, 
for fear of offending their professional opinion, while simultaneously you live with an array of mental and physical health issues that may not be commonly diagnosed or treated. And if it's not a norm, it's definitely not within that doctor's normal day-to-day script they're used to seeing and reciting, let alone treating. Thus, you are left without help, still struggling with your invisible disabilities. But at least the doctor is left feeling satisfied of their ability to tell you about yourself. On the other hand, if you do decide to advocate for yourself, the doctor becomes offended and skeptical of you. How dare someone come in thinking they already know? How dare someone like you tell me how to treat you or what may be wrong with you? So, I will have to respond by listing off all the reasons why you're wrong, paranoid, not experiencing anything abnormal, or not worthy of any important treatment. The result of advocating for yourself can sometimes have positive outcomes, but all too often, it doesn't. Whether or not you actually get the proper treatment, you are still left exhausted, overwhelmed, and sometimes may even shut down or have a meltdown which may run the risk of being labeled as hysterical or diagnosed with other disorders that you may not even have. This is an experience that a lot of autistic people have, but especially autistic women. So I was diagnosed pretty late in my life with ADHD, autism, and also endometriosis. For those who don't know, endometriosis is a chronic illness that basically means that diseased tissue grows on all parts of your insides that creates a plethora of problems that causes worsening chronic pain and there's no treatment for it other than surgery to go and cut out that diseased tissue. That specific chronic illness took so much for me to get diagnosed and treated. It took me a few years of actual intentional effort on my end. It took multiple doctors on top of a worsening chronic illness that was crippling me. Before I was able to get my diagnosis and my surgery, for a good year, I was essentially just bedridden, genuinely bedridden. I could not do anything. I was in pain every single day. And I have high pain tolerance, right? So I would have had to been in so much severe pain for me to not be able to do anything but lay down in bed and sleep. And I remember feeling this very deep sense of depression and hopelessness because I thought to myself, I am only in my mid-20s. I think I was only 23, 24, probably 24 And I was already bedridden from how much medical, physical pain I was in. And every single time I would go to a doctor and talk about this pain and say things like, I think I have endometriosis, they would all just laugh at me and go into explaining why I don't have it. I remember a doctor even said to me, why do you think you have endometriosis? That is something that's so rare. Why do you think you have it? You don't have it. Period cramps are normal. It was so weird. I remember she said that while also laughing, but it was coded in this sense of just like 
anger, but also thinking, how dare I think I have endometriosis? It never ceases to amaze me when a medical professional has that type of interaction with me. And it always in the moment just like completely makes me freeze up because my autistic brain is trying to like figure out why she's laughing while simultaneously saying something like that as a response to me talking about the very intense physical pain that I'm experiencing. How she doesn't think to ask me more questions or even show any sort of concern or, you know, try to figure things out with me. And this is something I notice that is very common for medical doctors, at least, is if you were to ever go into a doctor's office and explain to them not only your symptoms in detail, but what you think you have and what you want treated. So for me, I did so much hours of research on my conditions. I wrote down diaries for months of the symptoms I had and kept track of all of that. So when I went in, I literally had a journal filled with all this stuff. And I was basically like, these are my symptoms in detail. I think I have endometriosis. I want to get it treated. I want to get the endometriosis cut out of me. Let's go. And I feel like that offends doctors because if I imagine if I was a doctor, you go through years of medical school and there's all of these very intense hierarchies within the system. So if they're the ones wearing the white coat and in charge of everyone and is on top of everyone else with the rankings, right? And just a random patient like me walks in telling them what they think they have and how they should be treated, it's offensive I imagine it's offensive to the doctor because the doctor is supposed to be the one that knows everything and is telling you how you should be treated and things like that but at the same time the only reason why I had to start doing that is because I've experienced way too many times and still to this day experience this often having a doctor not know how to treat me or help me at all and tell me that everything is fine and everything is normal when in reality it's not I would not have any of my diagnosis or have been treated for anything if I wasn't the one advocating for myself again and again and again and again. It is so rare and has never happened where I went to a doctor, said what was wrong with me, and they actually cared to figure it out and treat it. That has never happened. It's never been that easy for me. I wish it was, but I had to learn over time that I need to do my own research. I need to keep track of everything. I need to be the one saying, this is what's wrong. I need help. And if I'm lucky, the doctor will listen to me and order some tests so that they could get the actual, you know, imagings or numbers they need to say like, yes, you are right. Let's get this done. Let's do the surgery or get you your treatment. On the other hand, what I've come to notice is within the world of psychology, it is different because what I've come to notice is in the medical world as the patient, there's this weird balance that I haven't been able to figure out yet where you know what you have, you know your symptoms, but you also aren't allowed to openly talk about it without offending the doctor. It's almost like the more you know yourself, the more information you know as well, 
the more skeptical they are of you. So you almost have to walk into the medical doctor's office being ignorant when you're really not. Like, oh yeah, I'm just struggling with pain. I'm not sure what's happening. I feel like that's the type of response they want from you so that they could be like, oh yeah, let's figure it out. I think this is what's wrong with you. Let's get it treated. Because they want to feel important and they want to feel like they know and they want to feel like they're the ones helping you. Whereas if you're walking in being like, this is what's wrong with me and this is what I need done, then they're like, no. I don't think you have that because of all of this medical jargon. Like, oh, that's rare. I've never seen that in my life. All my years of being a doctor, I've never seen that. So that's impossible. I swear the God complexes doctors have is insane. Like, oh, I've never seen something. So it literally can't be possible for it to exist. It's crazy to me how that logic makes sense to them. But on the other hand, I've come to realize when it comes to mental health and mental health disorders, like psychologists and psychiatrists, I feel like they try to diagnose you with way too many things that isn't the actual thing, if that makes sense. On one hand, medical doctors try to not diagnose you because they think everything you're going through isn't that bad. And then psychologists and psychiatrists are over-diagnosing you with everything because everything you're going through and experiencing means that you're crazy. Like, oh, you must have borderline personality disorder or bipolar disorder. And they're like so quick to diagnose all of these things when in reality, you might just be an autistic person that's struggling so much because the world isn't really made to support the needs of an autistic person. And so this is the interesting thing. I've come to notice that when it comes to the mental health world, I have to become stone cold, calm, and never show emotion. Because God forbid if I ever cry, if I ever show an emotion, if I ever even reveal things that I've been through that is adverse or traumatic, the psychologists or psychiatrists will be so quick to just see me as hysterical person because oh my god how can she have gone through all this or experienced this unless she had a personality disorder or had all these things wrong with her and so i've come to notice that i have to be very conservative and manage how i come across i have to be very just straight and talk very logically and monotone in order for the other person to take me seriously and likewise i've come to notice that when it comes to a medical doctor, that specific type of mask doesn't work the same. Because if I was calm put together in a doctor's office, which usually I am, I feel like they don't take me seriously because they think in their heads, her pain can't be that bad because she looks completely fine and normal. Like she's managing fine. When in reality, I'm experiencing such intense pain. So this is something that really clicked in my head the last time I went to a doctor's office for my jaw pain. The doctor saw me and he immediately was like, there's nothing wrong with her and tried to send me out of the office without any treatment. I feel like this is really common for autistic people when it comes to how much pain we're going through internally and how we can express that to someone and how it translates externally. I won't speak on the behalf of all autistic people even though I do know a lot of you guys relate to me, but I'm just gonna speak on the behalf of myself. A lot of the times I could be going through pain that is a 10 out of 10, but on the outside, I look like I'm not experiencing pain at all 
because I am stoic and I'm able to meditate through it, even though it's excruciating. I cannot fathom what it's going to be like to express that you're experiencing 10 out of 10 pain. Like, I don't even know what that would look like. Maybe what doctors expect to see is for me to sit there and just be crying and and yelling and being like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain, I need help for them to believe me. Almost as if I'm putting a performance on, you know? And so I feel like there's this disconnect of being too composed within a psychologist's office, but that state of being doesn't translate in a medical doctor's office because then I don't get any diagnosis because they don't believe that I could even go through physical pain, right? And so this jaw doctor, as I was going through my symptoms, I felt like he was just so skeptical the whole time because just looking at me, he was like, she doesn't go through pain. And he's seen everyone, right, in his field that needs treatment and I don't look like them or act like them. But as he was asking me questions, thankfully, hopefully I will have a better experience with him in our second appointment together. I'm going to be a lot more aggressive with advocating for myself and needing surgery. As he was asking me questions, he was like, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad is your pain that you experience every day? And I looked at him and I was like, an 8 out of 10 every day. It's an 8 out of 10. And I felt like he couldn't believe me because I wasn't expressing it as if I was experiencing an 8 out of 10 pain level. Which makes me think about how a lot of the times I'll see holistic people being so expressive of physical pain in all different types of situations, not even just medical experiences. But they will just be like moaning and groaning and doing all of these like dramatic things to express pain. And that has always been baffled me because I can't fathom myself doing that. I can't fathom being like screaming or moaning or groaning out loud because of pain. I'm the type of person if I stub my toe or I hurt myself severely, I would just quietly sit there and just like tense up my body until the pain goes away. That is the type of person I am. I'm not really the type of person to cry from pain, groan, roll around, like do all of these like bodily expressive things. But yeah, I just think that this is interesting, you know? And I didn't even really put it together until recently. I remember driving back from my appointment with that jaw doctor. The nurse told me that usually he is very gung-ho about giving people surgery when he sees them and how she never seen him outright say that someone doesn't need surgery like he did to me. And I just think to myself, why am I always that one person that is the abnormal? It just feels very weird and targeted, if that makes sense. Out of all of the patients he's seen of his years and years of being a doctor and surgeon, for some reason he sees me and is like, she doesn't experience pain, she doesn't have problems, I don't need to treat her. Like, what is it about me? I wish I could just study his brain and be like what is it about how I carry myself and even how I sit or how I look that makes you come to that conclusion without even asking me questions about my symptoms or giving me a physical exam and then it makes me think to myself well what do I have to look like and act like in order to be taken seriously it's just such a weird thing that I have to feel like in order to be actually taken seriously and understood I have to figure out a perfect performance to put on 
and I won't even get started on the medical system and how freaking confusing that is, trying to figure out your insurance and all of that stuff. Trust me, guys, I've got lost in the process so many times, but thankfully, I always push myself to come back and, and get it started again, even if it means starting over. If any of you are interested as to like what I need to get done to my jaw, I have issues with the joint here on both sides due to my jaws being out of place. So I have a pretty severe overbite that isn't really obvious when I'm talking because the only way I could talk is if I jut my bottom jaw forward so that my teeth can touch. But usually if my jaw were to just rest in its natural state, my top teeth goes over my bottom teeth a lot and my bottom jaw is recessed into my throat which affects my breathing which affects my ability to swallow food medicine it affects how much oxygen is able to get into my throat i have sleep apnea so it affects my sleep and also just the joints here have deteriorated so intensely that my jaw dislocates every time i open it to yawn or you know chew or whatever and I'm constantly hearing a cracking noise on both ends as well. And I just experience chronic pain here. What I'm hoping to get is a jaw correcting surgery that can help with my breathing. He could take the bottom jaw and push it out from my throat and also fix the joints here. So if it's not obvious, your top jaw isn't supposed to go over your bottom jaw that much and your bottom jaw isn't supposed to be so recessed into the back. I can't even breathe in fully. This is why I think so many doctors have thought I have asthma, even though I don't have asthma, because inhalers never really work. It's an actual issue with my throat opening being blocked off by my bottom jaw being recessed into it. But it also affects my posture because in order for me to be able to actually breathe at all, I basically have to push my head forward and press my tongue on the bottom of my chin outward like this in order to open up the airways and breathe. If I were to relax everything, let my tongue just rest and have straight posture, I can't breathe. So like regular snoring sounds like this. But my partner told me that my snoring at night literally sounds like no air is going in at all. And oftentimes I will just wake up in a panic because I felt like I wasn't getting air for a while. And that's why my body automatically wakes myself up to get myself to breathe. I even went to an ENT specialist before this jaw specialist and he tried to tell me that I couldn't have sleep apnea because I wasn't obese and only obese people can have sleep apnea. But anyways, I digress. Wish me luck, you guys. I am seeing this jaw specialist again in a few months. Hopefully by that time I would have gotten a sleep study done. I'm currently getting pretty lost in that process because my insurance isn't doing their job, but I'm calling them every single week trying to stay on top of it. So ugh, just wish me luck. If you're also navigating something within the medical world and it's also a struggle for you, just know that I'm suffering along with you trying to get this all figured out. I just want to encourage you guys to always advocate for yourself and never give up. Yes, by all means, if you need to take a break, take a break, but don't just give up completely on yourself. It's so important for you to prioritize your health and your mental health and to get yourself the treatment that you need 
if I didn't advocate for myself again and again and again for the past few years, I wouldn't be sitting here pain-free from endometriosis. I would still be bedridden, probably not even able to make content or have a job or make any money and just be completely depressed and deteriorating as a person. So yes, it, it shouldn't be this hard, but you also have to just really prioritize yourself and know that it is important for you to do that remember that statistic that i said where the average lifespan of an autistic person is 54 years old or 50 something years old that is very young don't be a part of that statistic please as much as you can advocate and continually try to make your life as healthy and as comfortable for yourself so that you can thrive and grow old and be comfortable and be healthy, right? I will see you guys on the next video. Take care.